I love working with great producers, but it's an even bigger pleasure when the child of another producer gets to work with us. Welcome to the coffee of Bebeto Mamani, son of Tadasio. My name is Steve Layton, and I travel the world finding amazing and delicious coffee for you to drink at home. Some make coffee difficult to understand and complicated, but here it's my job to make it easy and fun and tell you what's in my mug. So this week's coffee comes from Bolivia and from Bebeto Mamani, um, and it's a washed Keturah. Uh, the name of this producer may sound a little familiar. Uh, Bebeto, or Beto for short, is the son of the legend that is Tadasio Mamani. Tadasio, who owns Canton de Uinesi, uh, which is a farm we've worked with since uh, 2012. I also made him um, wear a Sunderland shirt. Uh, I'm really sorry, but if I'm suffering, everybody else has to suffer. Um, his farm is located in 18 de Mayo which is uh, a municipality of Carinavi and part of Canton Uinesi. Um, lots of farms can be called a variation of these names because it, everybody has a different name for where they live in. It's not like, you know, oh, I live in Stafford. It can be Canton Uinesi, it can be Belinda, it can be all sorts of things. Um, this is the fourth year that Roberto has grown his own coffee under his own guardianship. Um, and it's the second year that um, he's been processing it himself. Um, it's kind of like his dad letting go, letting him kind of learn. Um, and he's actually doing a really good job. Um, the, the, it's the kind of result, results you expect from the Mamani family. They are skilled coffee producers, uh, even though they are just, that's, that's all they do. It's their full-time job and it's all of their income. Um, they're so committed to try and make it better. Every year, um, all of the family are keen to show me the work that they're doing on the farms to just try and make it better. Um, this coffee is a mixture of red and yellow Tipica, uh, Katura and Katayi. Because it's a small farm, he doesn't separate those varietals out. Um, and unlike a lot of the coffees that we buy from Bolivia, um, like Tadasio, Bebeto uses uh, a depulper uh, on the farm that removes the cherry. Uh, and then the coffee goes through a dry fermentation of around about 16 to 18 hours. And then he runs it through the scrubber again uh, to remove the final parts of the mucilage, which that's a kind of little bit of an unusual thing. It's not the norm, but it's something that they've developed themselves. Um, and uh, Bebeto then moves it to African beds, which just raised beds to dry it, which it dries in around about seven to nine days. Um, the picking method that they use is called AN, uh, and that's same as uh, Tadasio uses on Canton Uinesi. And this method is basically not stripping, but picking, selectively picking, um, it demands a lot more labour, a lot more time and incurs higher costs. But because the Mamanis want to improve their quality and get better prices, they see that as the best way to do it. And we see that that just improves year on year. I think in the cup, um, this coffee, uh, kind of, you taste a lot of that hard work and processing. You get you know, sweet fruits and it's sweet and papaya and pomegranate, um, which can be a little different to the normal sweet chocolatey coffees that you get. Um, but it does have that chocolate taste, but it tends to come at the end and just lingers around as an aftertaste. I'm really looking forward to tasting this one this week. So this week we're going to focus on the tasting notes um, and I want to really just kind of think about what we've written down there and why we've written it down. So the first descriptor that I have is lime, um, but I want you to think like sweet limes, not necessarily, um, you know, the intense acidity. Um, 
And the best one we could come up with is, and I don't know if you've had this because it's not something you see so much, but like lime curd. Um, so kind of like lemon curd, but with limes. So that kind of creamy, sweet jamminess, but also it definitely has that lime flavor. Um, and it has a tropical fruit uh, finish to it. So um, again, what we were thinking were things like pineapple cubes, um, you know, the sweets that you can get. Um, I haven't had pineapple cubes in years, actually. Um, and raspberries. Um, so like, you know, kind of like that really kind of complex uh, kind of fruit thing going on. And on the end, the descriptor we all ended up agreeing on was trifle. So creamy, thick, but all of that fruity notes that are in there and all of that jammy notes that are in there, just kind of like trifle uh, seem to fit it really well. Um, now, all of these things are always about perception. This is what we perceived. Um, I'd love to hear what you perceived. So if you want to drop me an email or Twitter or an Instagram or as a normally a brick through the window, um, just to tell me what you think, I'd be really keen to hear. So I thought this week uh, we could talk about Bolivia as a coffee producing country. I know we've done a lot of this, but actually it's kind of just time to recap. Um, you may have noticed I've absolutely fallen in love with Bolivia. Uh, I've been every year since 2006 and it's somewhere that I kind of absolutely adore visiting. Um, the people, and the altitude, um, the breathtaking nature, literally breathtaking at some of those altitudes um, and their coffee history, uh, but also the quality of coffees that we can find in the cup. Um, it's a taste profile that I think is very distinct and that's quite hard to find uh, in a country. You know, I really only kind of put Ethiopia and Kenya in those things that have that cut profile that's very undeniably Bolivia. Um, it is a commercially viable coffee exporting country, but its production has always been the smallest. Uh, one of the small, well, it is the smallest member of the ICO, which is the International Coffee Organization. But the conditions for growing are phenomenal, but challenging. Um, they have a very rich history of agriculture uh, and farming uh, on very difficult terrain. Um, back in 1991, there was a government-led initiative to encourage, encourage the indigenous population to participate in coffee farming. Um, but what this did, it led to a fractured system which was counterintuitive to quality. Um, fast forward from there to 2004, um, there was the first ever Cup of Excellence um, which was a way of improving quality and finding quality. And it was the only cup of excellence that was funded purely from US aid uh, money uh, because the US were really trying to attack the war on drugs problem head on. Um, but unfortunately, um, a new regime came in um, and, and, and that was a problem. Um, but the main problems for producers was, and to some extent still is, that they're unable to make enough money to be sustainable as coffee farmers. To, and to subsidise their income, they look at other crops, which unfortunately falls to coca, which is used in the production of cocaine, which is legal to grow in Bolivia. It's illegal to turn it into cocaine, but it's legal to grow coca. Um, it's actually a, a, a custom that you will chew leaves. Um, and I've indulged in said leaves and they taste horrible. Uh, but for some people, it's kind of like having a cup of coffee to them. Um, and co coca is four times more profitable um, so you can get four harvests from it. It's much easier to grow than coffee. Um, and sadly, it's left to coffee producers turning their back on coffee and abandoning their farms uh, uh, and, and set up coca farms. And coca farms involve lots of chemicals and fertilizers um, that are not good for the soil. Uh, and in a conversation with a, a producer who 
had experience of growing coca. After 10 years, the land pretty much becomes overworked and infertile. Um, and uh, they can't then go back to growing coffee after that. Because it's such a high production crop, crop it takes everything out of the soils. Um, but the Bolivian government, government have been supporting growing coca um, after falling out with the USA. Um, and uh, have really encouraged producers, which has seen this, this rise. In fact, Evo Morales, uh, who is the president, um, is actually a former coca grower himself. So, you know, he, he was also a leader of the Coca Growers Association. So he has a little bit of a vested interest too. Um, but this has resulted in uh, a little bit of a, a disconnect between coffee growers and the coffee growing um uh, coffee buying community. So that was my little bit of history on coffee growing in Bolivia. So we've already focused on the tasting notes of this coffee. So I've told you what it's going to taste of. I'm hoping that this brew does taste of it. I'm sure it will, but yep. So the, that lime curd mixed with pineapple cubes, it's complex coffee. But the creaminess at the end of it, there is a real creaminess there that just like, yeah, covers the mouth. Um, very, very good example of a fantastically processed, well-grown coffee. And one that I'm quite, I'm going to have a few more sips of. Um, thank you for joining me. Please do come back next week. And remember, life is too short for bad coffee.